you know that all the sacrifices and rituals in the Bible is fulfilled in Jesus? Amen? And especially the sacrifices in the Bible, from the Passover sacrifice, it is a sacrifice because in Exodus 12, 27, God called it a sacrifice. So this Passover is a sacrifice. All the sacrifices from the sin offering to, to all the different offerings, all the different sacrifices in the Bible, it's actually a representation of a different benefits that we receive from the communion. So when Jesus announced the communion and he fulfilled all the sacrifices, all those sacrifices, the benefits of them was brought into one person called Jesus and that when we take communion, we can experience all the benefits from all the sacrifices. Do they want to talk about Passover? The reason is because we're entering into this Easter season and a lot of Jewish people around this time also having a Passover. Now I'm sure if you're a Christian for a little while, you will have heard and learned about Seder and this sort of thing. And so we're going to touch on quickly a little bit today and then we're going to have communion. And the reason is because, you know, every single time when you take communion, if you take it by faith, there is power behind it. You see results behind it. But if you just, if you just, you just take it by ritual or rigmarole, whatever, there's really no power in it. So I want you all to experience every time we take communion, there is something going on and you see a shift in your life and then you see some transformation in your life and there's some huge benefits out of it. And that's why I encourage people, you know, take communion all the time, but take it by faith. Everything is by faith. So in Exodus, there are two feasts that was introduced right before they left Egypt. And the feast is Passover and also the feast of unleavened bread. Now they're side by side each other. One is from the 10th day to the 14th. One is from the 14 days to the 21 days. So, uh, so but they're, they're, they're separate. Most people are confused between the two feasts. They thought it's a one feast. So it's actually two things together. So first, uh, the, the, the Passover and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, in their communion, I call it a communion, in their Passover and their feasts, this is what they realized as they went forward from the place of slavery, from the place of strife, from the place of a lot of work, to the place of freedom. And as they take communion, and you're going to experience that. You can experience that as you take communion today. Is that as they left Egypt and they took communion, this is what happened. After they took communion, they were immediately shielded from judgment. Right after communion. Just they were, and so you saw all the judgment came to the entire land of Goshen too. You know, God said to the people, he, he didn't separate Goshen and, and, and the rest of Egypt. He said, my angel will pass all over Egypt including Goshen. So immediately after they took communion under the blood, they were set free or shielded from judgment. The second thing is, it set them free from slavery. Now in our modern days, you may not think you're a slave, but many of us are under a certain type of bondage. Whatever you're struggling with this morning, I want to tell you that as you take communion, get ready. Because they had to get ready. They had to have their, had the sandals up, you know, they had to fasten their belt and have the staff ready because freedom was imminent. When you take communion, you have to take communion with great, expect, great expectation that you will see freedom. And after they took communion, they would never get sick again. Now, you know, we always believe in healing, but how, wh why don't we just take one step further? Never get sick again. How many of you can imagine a life that never gets sick again? Just think about this, right? Come on. Have a life that never gets sick again. Wow, what a deal. 
But God has promises by His stripes we will heal. Heal long time ago. So you never get sick. You should never get sick, you know. If you do, He will heal you. So alive without sickness. And uh, also, when they were in desert, when they left Egypt, they used to have to work for their food. If they don't work, they don't eat, right? But in Egypt, they got such a great deal. You know what? They don't even have to work for the food. Come on. Food came down. Came down from heaven. Provision. As they began to take communion, after they took communion, they entered into a season of great provision. And we're going to do that today. Amen? Now, one more thing. This is really this is a good one, too. None of them ever have to change their shoes or their clothes, particularly the shoes. Because, and why is that important? Because shoes were the mode of transportation. How do you like to have your car never get broken down again? I don't know. I don't know about you, but, you know, car, breaking down car costs a lot of money. Right? I mean, you got to fix this. You know, every time there's an oops, you know, little tubes break down or whatever. And you just make the car garage rich. Make Canadian tire rich, you know. But God, God wants, you know, I just, you, why don't we just enter into the season that our mode of transportation will not be worn out unless you just want to get a new car because you're so blessed. Glory to God. Now, let's look at Exodus chapter 12. Oh, before then, notice you notice that the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread had never dealt with sin being taken away. They were shielded from judgment, but sin was always there. In our communion, at the fulfillment of all the rituals, God removed our sin through the blood of the Lamb called Jesus Christ. Amen? So get ready for your communion. And in about 30 minutes, we will have communion together. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of the months. It shall be for the first months of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your count. You shall make your count for the lamb. Not God. You shall make the count. And that's very significant. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That means it's Jesus, prophesying Jesus without blemish. A male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it. Don't do anything with it. Keep it. Until the 14 days of this month. This is very significant now. Watch this. Because from the 10th and 14 days of the month, it's very imp important. And when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs, midnight, between two mornings, twilight. Now watch this. The first I want to talk about is a verse uh, that says that you, um, uh, according to the number of persons, according to each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. What it is saying is this, take as much, as much grace as you need. You know, we all have different level of need for grace. Some of us need a lot more grace than the other. I'd be one of them. The other ones, you know, they get saved and they become such goody two-shoes, you know, praise God, good for them, right? But I want to tell you this, the grace of God is always, always available as much as we need it. Can I hear an amen? 
Come on, let's give God praise. Now, now watch this, right? It also say that share, if it's too much, share with your neighbor. You know, there are often people, you know, they're, you know, they come from a very, very messed up background, very broken, very moral, you know, lots of struggles to come to church, and they found Jesus, they found the grace of God, and they enjoyed the grace, they got saved, and, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit, and lives just changed and transformed, and, and they used to be such a mess, you know, and, and but now they got saved, and just, just God just cleaned them, and, and just gave them a new life, and, and so they started on this amazing journey, in Christ Jesus that is so good and, and they have victory over things, you know, that never had victory before. And then after 10, 20 years to live this amazing life, somehow they've forgotten about the initial grace. And so when people are coming into church, you know, they have, you know, they're mess, you know, they're struggling with certain sin. Many of the same people started to judge the ones that are coming in. We keep the grace to ourselves when we ought to share the grace, especially to those who don't deserve it. We need to share the grace of God to everyone liberally because if God could change us, He could change anybody. Can I hear an amen? If God could change us, He could change anyone. So if you see people coming to church, you know, I, I remember I've been told by a number of people, you know, of uh, the very religious one, Pastor, you need to call out this sin. You need to tell them what it is and, and don't be so, so accommodating to them. My goodness. Some of those very people are the ones that experience the grace of God right in front of my eyes when I saw they were struggling with things in their lives. And today they, they've, been, they've been good for a while and so they think everybody should live like them. They've forgotten about the grace that they received. The Bible said, take as much grace as you need. Some of us need lots. Just take it. Take it. Some of us need it a longer time. Take it. There's no time limit. I heard a pastor, you know, um, he was sharing uh, with the staff. And um, the church was growing. All kinds of people were coming to church and and there were a lot of people that are coming to church that living in seemingly an immoral lives, you know, however you want to interpret and imagine. And the church continued to just see people get saved, get baptized. And then there's some people that just, just, just not there yet. They keep on coming for two, three years. So one pastor stood up and asked the senior pastor. He said, how long do I wait for this? Do we wait for these people before we call them out on the carpet and, and tell, give them the ultimatum? I mean, God, come on, we, not, cannot, we cannot tolerate those sin. And this is what that pastor said, and I just love it. We're going to give them as much time as they need. I hear this morning, we're going to give them as much time as they need. This is how rich the grace of God is. This is how full the grace of God is that is available to you and I. Now watch this. The second point I want to make in these first few verses is a little factoid that will, that, will, that will give you some enjoyment. Notice that God said to them, take the lamb on the 10th day, but don't do anything. In fact, further down, he says, just protect the lamb, take care of it until the 14 days, first, second, third, and twilight under 14 days, that was three and a half days. 
that symbolizes the time Jesus was on earth. Jesus was called out to ministry. And for that three and a half years, there would be attempt of people pushing him off the cliff. Remember that? There would be attempt of people want to arrest him. All kinds of stuff. Want, you know, people just want him. His enemy just want him gone. But the, comment, the, 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 book, the, the writer of Matthew and John, they had a commentary. They would say that because it's not his time yet. Because it's not his time yet. So they couldn't touch him. He was preserved for the three and a half days, or the three and a half years, excuse me. And at that three and a half years, right, on the exact moment, Jesus was sacrificed. So this was a prophetic, prophetic picture of what Jesus was going to be like. Now let's move on. Exodus 12, 7 to 11. Then they shall take some blood, some of the blood, and put it on two doorposts and, and lintel of the houses in which they eat it, they shall eat the flesh at night, roasted on fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. We don't have bitter herbs anymore. I'll talk about it later on. Why? And do not eat any of the raw or boiled water. Raw or boiled water. Remember that, okay? And no boiling of the meat, okay? And, um, but roasted it, its head, its legs, and inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. No leftover. Anything that remains has to be burned. Verse 11, and this matter you shall eat it. Watch this. With a belt fastened, ready to go. Sandals on your feet. Your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Supper. So in other words, when we take communion, because they were about to get ready to get set free. So when you take a communion, don't think to yourself, oh, maybe next month. Maybe next year. Believe in God, Lord. I'm going to take my communion this morning as a Passover communion in Christ Jesus. I'm going to get ready to get set free in Jesus' name. And I believe some of us, amen, come on. I believe some of us are going to get set free this morning. You're going to set free from your struggle, your bondage, whatever that you're struggling with. You're going to get set free. But you have to have that kind of expectation. Get your belt ready, sandals ready, no pajamas. Get ready to go. <laughs> amen. You know, pajamas... It's a mode of relaxation, yeah? It's like you're not ready for anything. And so, you know, but we all love to be in pajamas. Yesterday, my wife was commenting on me wearing my house clothes. That wasn't even, you know. And, you know, when I'm at home, and please don't come visit me during those times, right? You know, I got my ragged, you know, guys like to wear ragged clothes. Girl, you know, my wife can't stand it. It's like, what, what, why, you know? For me, it's, it's comfortable, right? The, 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 the more holes it is, the more comfortable, right? I just, I just love it, you know? <laughs> just walk around with broken clothes, you know? Just wish nobody, you know, hope nobody would come and visit me, right? And then sometimes people just, just somehow they found out my age to come visit me. I had to go change and put my gel on, you know, and just look like a pastor, you know. But, but anyways, when you're, when you're in your pajamas, it's just in a relaxation mode. But here, God is saying, no, don't be relaxed. Ready to receive. Ready to receive in Jesus' name. Now, pay attention to that roasted meat on fire and no leftover. What it's actually telling us is this, is that the sacrifice of Jesus is done once and for all. You can't re-crucify Jesus, as in you cannot have any leftover. You got to burn it. If you can't finish it, burn them all. It tells us that the sacrifice of Jesus is once and for all. Now, in the book of Hebrew, it says, I'm some of you are familiar with the scripture. It said, it is impossible 
for those who have an encounter with God, tasted his glory, tasted his grace, to turn their back on God. It would be as though you are re-crucifying Jesus. So a lot of theologian and Bible teacher, I've heard it, my parents even preach it, you know, it's like, don't go re-crucify Jesus. You can't. What it is saying is this, is that if you've tasted the goodness of God, if you've tasted the glory of God, it is absolutely impossible for you to turn your back on him. Now, you might backslide, and we all have gone through the backsliding season. I'm not advocating that. But we all gone through the season that we kind of retrieve and just not, not uh, we, we lost our fire. We lost our passion. We retrieved and, and we kind of gone through a period maybe because of struggle at home, finance, or whatever, right? So we, we just lost that passion. That's not, that's not what the Bible, that's not what it's talking about. Right? It is talking about completely renounce God. Now, I'm not going to mention him. There was this writer in Toronto Star, a columnist. You know, he was very famous. He was a, one of, in fact, Billy Graham's best friend. He wrote a book called My Last Conversation with God. And some of you know that. Some of you are older. You know who he is. In fact, last time when Billy Graham was in Toronto, he came and he sought him out and they got together and so forth. This fellow started together with Billy Graham. He was an amazing preacher, especially in youth camp. You know, if you know the story. And they started together, and at one moment of their lives, they, they divert in their direction. And one of them and this fellow completely renounced God. Completely said God is not real, and he wrote a book about it, and he become an anti-God person. The Bible says it's impossible. In other words, those people haven't really, they may have tasted religion. Are you here? They may have tasted social life, good social life in the church, but how can you have tasted the glory of God and turn back? It's impossible. And that's what this is all about, is that Jesus can only be, be crucified once. His sacrifice is only once. There's no leftover. Now, interestingly, it talks about boiled meat. Now, in a modern-day Seder, if you know all the Jewish people, you know they have Seder. Somebody know what Seder is? Seders. Anybody know what Seder is? Seders. So Seder is the past Jewish people, you know, they're enjoying, they're doing the Passover feast together. And in Seder, if you can remember, if you know, they have boiled egg. It's not in the scripture. Boiled egg in Seder Passover, you look at Passover from this scripture and all the, there's no boiled egg. In fact, nothing should be boiled. And they have this boy egg started after the second destruct, the destruction of the second temple. And the boy egg was a very popular uh, Babylonian um, spiritual item. And so they had taken the local practices. Now, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those guys that I don't want to celebrate Easter, no Easter heart, no, no, no Easter egg, whatever. I don't care about that. Right? But if you want to make it spiritual, you make it right. Because I know of brothers and sisters accusing us of celebrating Easter because it's paganistic and they do Seder and not understanding that within the Seder, this day is what they practice. Some of them are taken from the Babylonian culture. Now, you're not going to hate me for that, right? Are you, are you? Hello. But anyways, no boy egg. So no sacrifice in modern days, even among Jews, you will notice in the Seder either. Now, in our communion, there are a couple of things that's missing. One is the bitter herb, right? And another one is um, the, um, 
the sacrifice. So the bitter herb, if you were to partake seders or Passover for the Jewish people, is to remind them of their slavery past. How sorrowful their lives were before they were delivered and escaped from the, the, the grip of Egypt. How many of you know that our, our salvation is not about looking backwards? Are you here this morning? Your salvation and my salvation is this, is that all, all things have passed, all everything, all things have passed away and all things become new. So it doesn't matter what you and I have done over the past, your salvation is this, is that even God himself has forgotten about your mistakes. And that's why we don't have bitter herb in our communion. Thank God for that, right? Who, who wants to have that bitter herb once a month? Oh my goodness, especially these days we do communion once a week or whatever, right? And uh, we don't need to remember the past. We, as far as God is concerned, we are brand new, hallelujah, under the blood of Jesus. He can't, come on man, He can't even remember what you've done in the past. Why would you want to remind Him? So you come before the Lord, doesn't matter all the mistakes you've made. You come before the Lord and you can stand boldly because when God looks at you, He looks through Christ and that is perfect. And that's why you don't want to say, oh God, I'm so sorry, I did this 20 years ago. You confess your sin, you repent of it, you change your mind, you turn away from it and you forget about it. You move on, come on, in Jesus' name. Because as far as God is concerned, you got a clean slate, clean slate. Now also, the sacrifices we don't see in modern Seder, as I, as I mentioned earlier. The reason is because sacrifices is no longer required. Once sacrifice is done, all sacrifices are no longer required. Jesus came to fulfill the law, all the prophets and the law, and that includes all those sacrifices. He came and fulfilled it. And even the Jewish people, they might not even realize it, is that after the resurrection of Jesus, they no longer could sacrifice, even if they had wanted to. Because Jew politically, you know, the, the temple of Herod was destroyed. After that, there were no more sacrifices. They can't even do it these days. They don't even know why. You ask them, they're like, I don't know. They have all kinds of reasons. The reason is because supernaturally, God had organized it that no sacrifices are required when Jesus completed the sacrifice once and for all. Amen. Are you glad about that? Glad about that? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Exodus chapter 12 to 13, it says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, and both man and beast, and, and all, this is very interesting, and all of the gods of Egypt. Those were the princes of Egypt. They believed that you know, all, the, all the princes and all the people that related to, to the Pharaoh, they were all gods. Well, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you and no plague will be for you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now we learn that, about how the blood protected the Jews from judgment. Every single individual in the land of Egypt, as I mentioned earlier, would experience judgment. What separates the Jews from the Egypts is not because they were children of Abraham. Because if they did not have the blood, they would have been judged also. What separated the Jews from the rest is the blood. 
They were shielded from all judgment. Galatians tells us in chapter 3 that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. How? Because of the blood. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law because of the blood. In the old days, you know, when bad things happen to us, we always think, oh, it's, I might have done something wrong. I made a mistake. That's a lie from hell. There's no more judgment coming. You have been spared and redeemed, especially those who call upon the name of the Lord and that you're a believer, you're born again. You've been set free and you've been shielded from judgment. And so when judgment comes, you know, it doesn't matter if next year there's like disaster happen. Next year, if whatever trade war happened, the economy just goes sour, you watch this, you and I, for those of us under the blood of Jesus, you will be protected. I proclaim that right now in Jesus' name over your life. No fear. Don't have to be afraid because you are under the blood of Jesus. It's always the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is powerful. Now, what the blood of Jesus did to them, I'm sorry, did to us, was not experienced by them, is also the removal of our sin. Atonement is only covering. Removal of our sin can only be done by the blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood removed our sin. So as far as God is concerned, you are sinless. Sinless. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're sinless. Remind them, they're sinless. Just imagine this. Come on. Can you just imagine this? You are sinless. Wow. No sin. What a deal. So it's not our ability. It's not our good works or our self-righteousness, self-effort holiness. But it's God's blood. Now, I'm going to end with this. In chapter 12, 14 to 20th, go ahead and list that out. In chapter 12, verse 14 to 20th, there are a few things that God taught about the unleavened bread. Now, we don't have time to go through it. Just go to the next slide, please. The next slide, please. Here it is. Now, this is... Uh, feast that is right after Passover the day they sacrifice the lamb they go straight to the feast from the 14 days to the 21st day of the first month they're January first day of the feast they ought to remove all the yeast in the house now if you know of any Jewish family during the Passover season they have these little practices that they will hide all the yeast of the bread bread with yeast they'll hide all they will hide it all over the house and it's like a game so the kids can go and hunt those bread out and just hunt it out and they will look it's like you know like we christians looking for have a uh, easter egg hunt right we have easter egg hunt they have they have yeast hunt you know they're hunting for yeast in the house it's like a little game they do every year and then they gather all the yeast together and burn them outside and they do that because of this and what it tells us is that in the communion, Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says that let every man examine himself. You and I need to examine ourselves when we come to communion. Examine ourselves. And that we ought to know how to discern the Lord's body. So when we come to the Lord's table, each and every one of us, every believers, just examine ourselves. Is there any ease in us, Lord, that is preventing us from receiving more from you? Is there anything in me? Is there any, anything still in me that is just hindering what you want to do in and through my life? 
He wants to bless you so much. But sometimes it's a little thing like, you know, I don't know, unforgiveness or whatever. Just, just something that we hold back. He wants you to be set free from it. So if there's anything, it's between you and the Lord. We're not going to shame you or whatever. It's just between you and the Lord. Ask God, God, is there any yeast in me? Just take away. I still ask it every day. I ask it every day. I know I'm cleansed. I know I'm forgiven. But I do want to examine myself. Now, two more points. Meet on the first and the last day of the feast, the 14th and the 21st day. Meet means they are to assemble as a congregation. I really believe in house church, you know, you meet, you know, it's not ceasing meeting one another in house church, cell groups, small groups. I, I believe that's so important. But I also believe in the corporate meeting of celebrating what God has done. What a privilege to come on, to church on Sunday. Few people came to me that work in retail. They're so happy we have two services now because they always come to church in the morning and then go to work after that. It's so important that we gather together. What a privilege to gather before the house of the Lord to celebrate His goodness. And finally, God gave them an instruction. There's no work. What does that mean? It means this. Your salvation, the Word of God said, had brought you to rest. I know that a lot of believers and Christians are still struggling and striving in different things. It is the grace of God to call you to rest. In fact, the calling of Jesus is to rest. Come all ye heavy burden. I will give you what? Rest. Now, we're going to go to the communion together now. As we go, I want, to remember, I want you to remember this. As you take communion, I'm going to go backwards. First thing is, get ready to rest. God is going to give you a supernatural rest. Rest from your sickness, stress from your strife, rest from your whatever that had pained your heart. And what He wants to do, He wants to cause you to walk in miracle to the point that you, you don't even have to, if you can't believe it, ever have to fix your car, your mode of transportation. You'll be well provided for in terms of your sustenance. And you'll never get sick again as you walk out from Egypt after the communion. You take a step. You leave sickness behind. You leave struggle behind. You leave pain behind. You leave slavery behind. And more importantly, you leave judgment behind. And for those of us who are in Christ Jesus in this modern day, you leave your sin behind. Free, rested, provided for. That's our covenant. Are you ready for this new season? Why don't we all stand? Let's take a communion together.